Welcome to the Expert Ownership Podcast, where we launch faith-filled entrepreneurs into greater freedom and success. But you know what? It's more than that. We want to help you thrive in the midst of today's cancel culture. Our goal is to raise up workplace warriors who will stand for what they believe in, whatever the cost. You can find out more by visiting expertownership.com. But without further ado, here we go. I've been really, really feeling it. Feeling it. About to bust a move, watch out, let me get it. Okay, so today we're talking about reinventing your relationship to work. I'm I'm pumped about this. Our master coach, uh, CEO at Expert Ownership, Eric Beck, did a TEDx talk on a game worth playing. Was the title of your it was w- of your talk, yeah. and uh, and it's all about reinventing your relationship to work. And it was one of the best that I've ever heard. So, what I want to do on this podcast is I want you to tease out some of the concepts because we got a lot of entrepreneurs, we got a lot of marketplace people that listen to this podcast. How can we reinvent our relationship to work so that we're finding meaning and fulfillment and everything inside of the work that we do? Yeah. So I just love that question. And I love your guys' energy because I think this is a question everyone's asking, even if they don't know to ask it. Okay. So let's start with work. Okay. Work is worship. Yes. We got that connection. So when you go from that and you say, okay, now this is the highest and best expression of me let's just be honest, is, and fill in the blank of any job you could think of in the modern economy, is that really our, what I would call our creative maximum? Mm. Are we really bringing that warehouse worker or that front desk person or whatever the role is? I mean, we, if you really were going to say, I'm going to design eight hours of some activity to bring the absolute best you have into this world, most of our jobs don't pass that test. Most of our jobs are repetitive. Most of yeah. our jobs are data driven. You know, you wind up finding yourself um, like I did as a man at 40, you know, sitting in front of a computer, wagging my fingers all day. Mm. And yes, that can be godly. And yes, that can be righteous. And, and there's, there's goodness in that. So don't hear me say the wrong thing here. But what I'm saying is, am I mind, body, soul, spirit, full potential living in this moment? Yes. I think most people hate their jobs. And you're saying that no matter what your job is, you can, you can change that. I'm saying that it especially falls to the owners oh, wow. to reinvent it. Okay, this okay. is good. So again, we were talking about this before. So whoever invents a game, you know, basketball, football, some kind of game like that, what they're doing is they're trying to create a, a match between how hard it is and the skill level. Okay. Right? So if it's really, really hard and your skill level is really low, then you're going to be really frustrated. Right. Okay? Yep. If it's really, really easy and your skill level is really, really high, you're going to be bored. Mm. So human potential is always in the middle of that diagram, that, that axis, right? Yeah. The X, Y axis. It's going to go straight across like that. And what we're trying to match is the job in that exact way. What's going to keep this person truly engaged? Mm. So if we look at normal work, normal work is trading time for money. Right. Yes. Yeah, of okay. course. So we know that's already our trajectory is wrong because there's no way that our life is worth mammon. There's no way our life is worth legal tender. Yeah, it's just cra- even if it was based on gold. Now somebody will put a comment about we should go back in the gold standard. Yeah, Wh- whatever. Okay, that's <laughs> whatever. Even if it were, okay, it's still never worth it, right? Our our life is never worth some other thing because our life is given to us by so it is infinite value. It is unmeasurable, and so anytime we try to quantify it, we're we're automatically harming it. So what right. you're saying is, if you find your worth in trading time for money, because I mean we do have to trade time for money because we have to put food on the table. But he's saying but, we can change it 
into something that has so much more meaning. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna beat the enemy at his own game. I like it, right? And and, and I know some people are like, well, it should just all fall apart and burn down and be done with it, and we'll start over. And I always feel like that's that can happen. There was Noah's flood, right? That that can yes. happen, but often it's like you know, work where you're deployed. You know, fix this from the inside out. It, it doesn't always have to just be a catastrophe and a start over kind of energy. And also, there's a little bit of laziness mentally in that because wouldn't it be so much easier if we just all fell down we could start over well i don't know well that's like me with some of my rental properties i'm like man (laughs) if these people were on vacation and this house went on fire it would be great i could rebuild the whole thing yeah yeah so if we're going to reinvent work then what we want to look at is say what's the purpose of it and you're right we do need to make a living We, we do have to pay our bills so there's that part of it but ultimately it is we're going to do all of those things at such a higher and more valuable level if this game is engaging us. So let's go back to, and this is a little bit in the TED talk. So if we go to this idea of the way we play when we're kids, we're talking about games. Let's talk about playing as kids. When we all grew up in the seventies, right? We played with what you would call symbolic toys. And so it was like a a pine cone was the bad guy. And maybe we had a Luke Skywalker, but it didn't look very real. And we had to make it make sounds and we got good at that. And this is so funny, right? You're just like, how do you, how do, how do guys know how to make gun sounds well we just do it's just like hard that's right it's in us we did it is a machine gun we got single shot we know what a sniper sounds like right so so this is symbolic play so we're using something that's not real to symbolize something that is right to symbolize something that is okay so if you go into the digital age let's call this in the mid 80s what starts to happen is you don't have symbolic play anymore you have more realistic play. Mm. So now the video game doesn't look like a dot flying across the screen. It actually yeah. looks like a tennis ball. Right. Or it actually looks like a gun or it actually looks like something, right? So now it's becoming much more actual. And what happens when you when you look at the studies on this is that kids that don't do symbolic play, unstructured play, and they have it hyper-structured for them, stop working out that muscle wow. that is to create structure where there is none. Mm-hmm. So fast forward a generation and a half and you hire a millennial or a digital or whatever. All of our kids fall in this category in one way or another. Basically, if you were born after compact discs, right? <laughs> yeah, compact right? discs. If you know what, a, what an eight track is, if we're not talking to you, it's yeah. just after yeah. that. Or even a cassette tape know, for that right? matter. Right. Oh my gosh. Or a floppy drive. Like what in the world? I just found some of those the other day in one of my shoe boxes, old shoe boxes. And I'm all like, right. whoa, <laughs> I know, check man. this out. Tori said, let's throw it away. I said, no, we got to keep it. The kids don't know what it is. They don't yeah, even know what exactly. it is. Okay. Sorry. So, so no. So if we go a generation before us, the generation before us would say the purpose of work is dignity. Just to have a job yeah. is yeah. true dignity. They you went through never, the depression. Yeah. You would never pass up a job doing anything. And if you got the chance to have a job, you would do it at the 100% level all the time, right? Yeah. So now what happened? Now we have people who hate their jobs. They're miserable, stuck in a cube all day. Whatever they're doing, they don't believe in it, right? There's all that. So what we have the opportunity to do is to reinvent Mm. We're reinventing work as a game. Now, not a silly game and not a, not a goofy game, right? But a game that's like, okay, there's levels, there's a progression, there's some structure. So if you take somebody who's like, say, born before 1985-ish, and you put them in a big room and it's dirty and there's boxes everywhere, and you handed them a broom and you said, hey, clean this room, and I'll be back in an hour. Well, what would we do? Yeah, it would be. We uh, get on the floor, yeah. but then what would we do next? arrange the boxes we would and fix the yeah. boxes and then yeah. we'd probably start looking around yeah for stuff we clean the window seals we'd just be on it right because yeah. we're just got we've got the mindset of put everything in order but if you fast forward a generation they just sweep and then they stand around for 45 minutes looking at their phone 
And when you come back, you say, hey, I thought I told you to clean the room. And they say, well, you just gave me a broom. And we go out of our mind. Mm. I know there's a lot of business owners right now nodding their heads like, oh, I can't believe this. Their work ethic is so terrible. People couldn't think deductively. It's, but it's not terrible work ethic. It's how they were raised. And because they were raised in a, in, in a hyper-structured environment, or especially around entertainment, because that's usually where the, the misalignment comes is around entertainment. They just don't have that skill set. So what mm-hmm. we have the opportunity to do is to invent a, a brand new kind of work, which is like kids karate. You know, so martial okay. arts has been a big part of my life for 30 years. And so think white belt, yellow belt, green belt, you're just progressing, right? Up, up the levels. When you give people a game worth playing, there's some really interesting things that, that are common to all games people like. Mm-hmm. It's challenging but not too challenging, mm. right? It's got some clarity, but it's not 100% clear. It has regular rewards, and it has a community around that. Now, I, again, I'm not an athlete like you guys are, but I'm pretty sure once somebody hits a home run, they come across home base, yeah. the rest of the team does something. They don't just sit there and be like, yeah, yeah. They, they, they get up. Yeah, yeah, they so get up. And- all of those things are what we can make work. We have to flip it upside down. So instead of it's about you answering the phone and getting the papers filed, it's about you getting to these KPIs. It's about you getting K- these K- key performance key, yeah, indicators. Yeah, key performance indicators, like how many times at bat, how many foul, yeah. you, all the stats, exactly. right? All that stuff, right? It's similar. It's not quite as complex as pro sports, but the idea is that if we can give people a game, and we're, this is what we're going to say, you're still going to do that mundane work. So if anybody out there is thinking, is this a cooler kind of work? No, it's not. <laughs> it's yeah. still the hard work, right? But here's the cool thing. I'm going to take you from year one to year three in my company, and you're going to be a warehouse guy. That's all you're going to do. Mm. That's what's going to happen. But in that three years, you'll know how to look people in the eye. You'll know how to run a meeting. You'll know how to plan a project. You'll know how to do a little bit of basic job costing. You're going to know how to run a team. You're going to know how to train new people. And if you give me three years of this mundane job, I'm going to turn you into a monster with some serious skill set. That's a game worth playing. And they get rewarded at every phase of accomplishment. But it's not raises. It's not promotions. It's all about this is the way you create value in this role. This is normal work. But then this is above and beyond work. And that's going to look like more education. It's going to look like extraordinary work. You're supposed to call 10 clients today and say, thank you for being a customer. But you called 30. That's right? extraordinary. Like that. So every time you set up that, the baseline and then over the baseline, it becomes a game. That's how I score. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just hit a home run. They get rewarded, cheered on. They do. They do. And people go nuts. Now, you can tie some money to this, yeah. but it's not a ton. It could be 50 bucks a paycheck or 100 bucks a paycheck. What, what company yeah. was it that had the gong? Oh, Emeth had the gong. The Emeth had, had the, the gong. gong. Absolutely. It did. And that, to, to clue everybody in on that, when I worked at Emeth, they had this big, huge gong over in the corner of the room and nobody knew what it was for. And it would just get rung several times a day. I was in the coaching part of the operation, but not the sales part. And then pretty soon I realized that every time somebody came on as a new client, you get to walk slowly across the whole room, pick up the mallet. There's a drama to it. Hold the mallet for a second. Everybody knew it was coming and then ring that gong. You know, everybody kind of cheered for you. But you know, all of those things are really what we call belonging cues. If I don't feel like I belong, if there's not a cue for me that I belong here, I've got the same shirt on, I've got the same way that I talk or the, the words we yeah. use. It's like how you feel on a team. Yeah, it's, that's what we got to do. And that's what we can do as small business owners and entrepreneurs is we can say, yes, I want to build a business that buys and sells shipping crates. Okay, Eric, what in the world do we do with that? I'll tell you what you do. 
you make it a game worth playing because all those mundane tasks, you can structure that out. And then you can say, this is the baseline of what we expect. Excellent work. We call it like an A, but what is an A plus and what would perfect look like? And if you get some of those A pluses and you get some perfects, there's some money for that. There's some privilege for that. There's some paid time off for that. There's all kinds of things. One of my favorite things to do is the contest. I, I want to incentivize people based on their own personal work first. But That's once good. you've done that, then I'd like to let people compete. Because if you don't do that, you get negative incentives. Mm-hmm. So if Jason is the best guy selling and we're all three salespeople, and he knows that the best guy will get the huge bonus and no one else gets it, then he's not likely to share yeah, his best practices. So a lot of incentives, if you're hearing performance-based pay, that is what we're talking about, but a lot of incentives that get set up are tragically misguided because they don't get thought through. They and don't, they don't build the culture and the they, team. They don't. They, they cut the culture. They create a misalignment. That's right. So when you do those things, then people get excited about it. And uh, again, my favorite one is, who did the most above and beyonds this month? Above and beyonds. I've above, heard you talk about yeah. this. This it's, is good. Tease it out. So fun. Okay. So an above and beyond is generally going to be um, extraordinary work, extra work. We talked about extraordinary work. Extra work would be like, hey, I took a shift for somebody at last minute, or I just stayed on today and did a whole nother half a shift because somebody didn't show up. So extra work. And then you can look at education. And again, education would be relative to the development of this person and their role as a human not just the business role. And what you'll find is that when you educate people on the things they're passionate about, they do the mundane work better because they mm. see one thing serving the other. Like, in other words, faithful in the little, faithful That's in the right. I'm going right. to clean this warehouse and it is lame and I hate it and it's hot and there's cockroaches and all this kind of stuff. I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, there won't be any cockroaches. At the end of the day, this thing's going to look amazing because Jason knows that I really love music. And part of one of my above and beyond rewards is I get a concert ticket or I get mm. some whatever, you know, it's like, there's something he's investing in me like that. So when we look at the person, right? So when we talk about systems and it can sound sterile, but really system is just a, a different word for the word way, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. the, the church, the early church was called the, the way. way and Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, right? So that way, that method, that culture, that's, that's what a system is. So ultimately um, an above and beyond is going to be in one of those three categories and then I want to say for this job function, this is how many of those you're allowed. Because if you're a beginner in this role, I really don't want you doing a lot of above and beyond because you're not nailing yeah, the basics. I want to yet. nail the basics. That's right. Master That's right. the classics first. That's exactly right. You know, what I when I heard you talk about if when you're hiring a new employee, you're going to talk to them about, you're not just supposed to pick up the phone and answer it and then fill out this spreadsheet. Well, I'm going to teach you how to hold a meeting. I'm going to teach you how to do all sorts of other things as a dad. That's what I want the the owner of the company or the boss or the manager of a company who's hiring my kid yeah. to do. Yeah. Yes. You know what I'm yeah, saying? I do. Like, can you just do that for my son? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? So could we use work? Could we use the system of trading time for money that nobody in this room built? We didn't invent that, but we have inherited this $100 trillion machine that does make us trade time for money. Called could, the marketplace. Called the marketplace. Could we go in there? in Jesus name with a kingdom perspective and go what this, what the enemy meant for destruction flip. Yeah, you Thank, you yeah, Thank you very much. I'll, I'll take down. that bet. I'll take that bet. Cause I can spin that bad boy around and I can make that mundane job grow you as a person in a way that no one else is even thinking of that. And let's just talk about employee retention. Let's talk about employee loyalty. Let's talk about extra effort. Let's talk about all those things that everybody wants. You know, the average employee, waste two hours a day. No way. 
That's the average employee. So if you're listening to this, you're like, my employees are, you know, are probably pretty good and average two hours a day. Whatever, what's their hourly? $15 an hour times every single day they work times every single employee. That's your largest expenses payroll. And two hours a day on average, salary.com does these surveys. It's just going out the window. And it's because it's not a game worth playing. You know, because if somebody works extra hard at the end of the day, no one notices them. They don't get recognized. There's no mechanism. If you guys are hitting home runs or throwing people out, yeah. and they're, and it was like, oh, it just didn't count. You know, it's yeah. just pickup ball in the doesn't backyard. Matter. It doesn't matter. You yeah. might do it for a while because you like the people, but after after a little while, you're like, it, no I don't more. it needs to matter, and our work doesn't matter. And when work is worship, it matters. And what we can do is we can reinvent. Mm. And when we do that reinvention, People light That's up. amazing. Okay, so one of the things I'm most excited about uh, bringing you on at Expert Ownership, you are now a partner and owner. It's amazing. We, we're so excited about that, is the fact that we actually can go in now under your leadership and our coaches, and we can help people establish their business as a game worth playing. Absolutely. Talk about that. How, do, how What does that look like? People just go to the website? It's an honor of a lifetime. I mean, just to work with you guys, just to hear you say that, because that's I really do feel like that, you know, there's a lot of places on the wall that people can work and they can serve God. But most of us are at work at a small business. That means 50 employees and less. That's two thirds of the uh, workforce. And it's just a little over 55% of the economy. Wow. So it's not nothing, Yeah. you know? And so when I look at that and I go, okay, we have the opportunity to, to really minister there, to really bring health and healing, to bring alignment. It's just, it's beyond a dream come true. So yeah. the coaching program though is, is designed to say, look, you can't stop running your business and get an MBA. If you have an MBA and you're listening to this, good for you. But generally MBAs are for high end managers in fortune 5,000 companies. Yeah. It's not for running a small business. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the bootstrap entrepreneur, right? Is So think of this as like the working person's MBA. <laughs> so funny because yeah. a, a buddy of mine, an entrepreneur, he, he always, he does a hashtag in our group text and he's like skidding in sideways. And he's like, if we ain't <laughs> yeah. skidding in sideways, you're not an entrepreneur. I love it. Yeah. That's right. I mean, you got to be able to get the, you know, get the dirt on and That's get right. it going. So think of this not as highfalutin for a big business, but we are very serious about the depth and quality of our ideas, but don't let that yeah. spook you that it's, it's, you know, super high end, you know, you're going to get some kind of economics degree. It's not that. So you can't go to school but you can't keep running your business the way you're running it. And, and you're kind of trapped in doing it in a way that you know is not quite in alignment with your values. And so it's like, what, how do you change that, right? So there's this old joke, you guys have probably heard this. So the, the heart surgeon is getting his, I don't know, his Porsche or something, his Ferrari worked on at the mechanic. And the mechanic's like looking at the engine and working on stuff and whatever. And they get into this conversation. The mechanic goes, you know, I don't really see much difference between you and me. You know, you're a heart surgeon. You know, you work on people's engines and I'm a mechanic. I work on people's engines. I don't know why you get paid so much. Like, I don't get this. And the heart surgeon's like, well, I have to work on the engine while it's running. Oh, oh. So that's what we have to do. We have to work with these coaches. I'm sorry, with these clients while they're running their business. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm ready to hear is we're just going to shut things down for three months and figure it out. So the way we've designed it is week by week, system by system. We're going to take the system that you have. And our little mantra is there's no problems in business. There's only missing systems or broken systems, broken systems. Yeah. Okay. So when you got a problem, don't lose your faith and be like, Oh, the enemy. Yeah. He's probably, I knew I was going to fail. Right. And align with those lies. Exactly. Just go good. I, I didn't go to the gym to work out with styrofoam weights. 
<laughs> so when you walk into the gym of your business and there's the problem, don't be like, oh, say, okay, good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. There's my workout. Now, here's how I want you to think. I want you to think, is this a, the result of a missing system? There is no process or procedure or way of doing this. That's the problem here. There's just no way of doing it, right? Or we have a way. It's just broken. Mm -hmm. And usually the first place that is broken is no accountability. Yeah. So I have a business owner all the time say, well, we have a handbook. I'm like, I'm so not talking about a handbook. Yeah. I mean, you can write everything down, policies and procedures, SOPs, good for you. I mean, and you do need to do it, right? But the real issue is not writing it out. The real issue is what is our consistent application of it around accountability and reward? Mm. So when we work with business owners, we're going to say, okay, first of all, we're going to give your business an MRI that we call the flagship assessment. And we're gonna find out from a systemization, standardization and performance standpoint, where is the business today? Mm. And then we have our awesome library of all our modules that we built together to help go into that area, whatever the area needs help and go, all right, we're gonna get it systemized, we're gonna get it standardized, and we're gonna make sure it's not personality dependent. Mm. So that not, is crucial. Not a system built for a person. It is a person who's trained to run the system. Like if I just go to the, Cardinals and say, I want to play first base. It, they're going to laugh at me. They're like, we have an exact profile of skills and all that stuff, physical abilities that make you our first baseman. That's what we want. Now, do they want that unique special thing that that Uber athlete brings? Yes, they do. Those are the they exceptions do, to the rule, but, but never the rule. But they don't bend the yeah, team. That's right. Right, exactly. So when you look at that for your team, you're looking at your athletes, just like a coach, right? Yeah. You're looking at those athletes. You're going, okay, who's in what position? And now how can I make that position most effective so that when I put the race car driver in that seat, I've got the best race car driver and the best race car. And what I say from the coach's standpoint to business owners is, as the owner, it's your job to build the game first, then nourish the people. Mm. But if you start off by saying, I just want to nourish the people, I just love everybody, I just love them so much, then the rain will come and you won't have the arc. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right. We've yeah. seen that happen a lot. Yeah, well, and it's very common. It's very common because most small business entrepreneurs, like my you know mentor back in the day, Michael Gerber said, are technicians that are suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure. And they just... Yeah lash out into the world and shockingly they have a business and they're like, wow, I'm good at the technical part, but I'm not good at all this business stuff. Right? So that's what we do. And it's incremental over time because it takes time to absorb again. Anybody who says, Hey, in three easy months, we'll just make you a gazillion. There are ways to do that, but that's not the type of, of businesses that, no. that we're wanting to build. We want to build long-term wealth, which does include riches. It does include money. It does include resources, but the real wealth is relational wealth. Mm. And so turning each of those systems into values driven relationship based systems is what t takes your team from, they just show up and quit. I can't even hire good people anymore. Where are they to, I don't even know what we're in business doing, but we're turning out the most awesome human beings. I've yes. never seen a PNL that looks like that. Oh yeah, we happen to build shipping containers or like, you know yeah, what I mean? Right. It's like that almost becomes incidental. Yeah. And that's when I know we, we've done our job. So if we're gonna reinvent our relationship to work, we have to make it a game worth playing. That's it, man. That's good. That's that is awesome. It. Hey, listen, next week, We'll probably have the buttery voice of Larry Hubatka back with us. Eric, we're going to keep bringing you back on this bad boy. You're amazing. We did Own It or Loan It last week of chocolate chips, and you said, own it. 
But you did say it depends on who's giving me the chocolate chips. So do you want to finish that story? Well, can I can I finish it? I think he has to. I'm okay, so, embarrassed to finish okay, it. Okay, so this is Jason. But, you know, so I love dark chocolate. David loves dark chocolate. Eric, I mean, every human being who's anyone of, of significance loves dark chocolate, right? Okay, maybe maybe not. So we're, we're at this dinner together. We're at this buddy's house in Tampa, Florida. Eric's with us. And I look, and we're... we're I had already eaten dinner and I look at this uh, big bottle of beef bouillon cubes, you know, the kind that has the, like the, it was like a ruby, ruby red wrapper. PTSD. I'm still suffering right now. (laughs) Around each one of them. And, and I picked it up and I said, oh, these are chocolate cubes. This looks so good. And I turned it around and it said beef bouillon. I was like, oh, that, that's, that stinks. That's terrible. So I asked the host lady, I said, you got any dark chocolate? She she said, yes, I've got some. She gave it to me. But then I got an idea. I said, well, Eric doesn't know. Well, all of this is happening out of earshot from me. Yeah. yeah. So I grabbed one of those beef bouillon cubes that's wrapped in that ruby red wrapper, and I threw it over to Eric. I said, check out this little chocolate cube. It's amazing. And Eric <laughs> grabs it. Oh, this is great. And he slowly unwraps it, walks to the other room because he's got to make a phone call or something. And the next thing I know, no. he walks into the kitchen <laughs> The sucker is in his mouth, and he looks like he's about to cry, and he slowly walks into the bathroom to spit it out because he didn't want to tell anybody, oh my and gosh. I totally got him. Well, oh. it, it just went through the phases of, hey, a little chocolate after dinner would be great. My man Jason is hooking me up. Totally. This is awesome. What we just a had jerk. this great meeting, right? I'm in the vibe, right? And so then I'm like, yeah, and it's a little small piece of chocolate, right? Because you don't want a huge piece, and I throw it back in there, and my first thought was, Oh, oh, it's gone bad. And I don't want to make the host. I know. I don't want to make I don't want to make her feel awesome. terrible. And and then I'm like, okay, I don't know what's happening now. But this has to get out of my mouth like immediately. And and now I'm like looking. I'm roaming around this home looking for a bathroom. I don't want to do it in the kitchen sink. Dagnabbit. That was one of the best feelings of my life. When I got Jeez. probably the smartest individual that I know is Eric Beck, and I got him on that little trick. Beef made me feel really good. Bullion. I got to up my game. Oh, my oh goodness. My okay, so own it or loan it. Beef bullion. Loan it. No, why would you do that? It's delish. It's actually good for you. In bone broth, good yeah, for you. Like, but you don't eat recovery. You don't mm-hmm. eat a cube of no, beef No, you don't bullion. eat it. Yeah. Dude, you throw it in water. Well, you didn't. You cook with it? He didn't qualify that. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Beef you bullion. With, you, but you throw it in and cook yeah, with it, Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. I don't know. That sounds good to me. <laughs> own it. I'll own it. Even with the PTSD, I'll own yeah, it. That's all right. All right. We'll see you guys next hey, week. Wait. In the meantime, rate and review us. Please do it because all the bad guys will do it. And j- just talk about David. Don't in the meantime, in the meantime, do not forget impact over income. But if you can have both, yeah. just get the order right. Amen. See you next week. I've been really, really feeling-